Welcome to Stuck at Home with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. Huzzah! Welcome to a new episode of Stuck at Home with me, Cliff Dorfman, and uh, this and guy. me, the guy you definitely don't want to have coming down the, the the airplane aisle to sit in the center between you two, carrying his own food from home. You know. <laughs> Jason Smith. <laughs> <laughs> We're the pod that tells you all about the shows we love and want you to love. Yeah, and plus we download you on the streaming wars, what to stream, and where to stream it. So uh, what are you watching? What are you stuck at home with today? Well, I'll tell you what I was stuck at home with all weekend. Um, I binged the F <laughs> out of <laughs> out of this new, <laughs> out of the Apple Plus show out of Tehran. I mean, it is riveting this thing i okay so so now you see why all these amazing shows are coming from israel because the insight right the insight of these creators that we're getting whether it's whether it's homeland whether it's uh, the the in therapy show that they they took they, they keep taking these shows time and again they keep becoming hits the perspective of these creators of these filmmakers, it's different. You know, when I'm watching something like this, and I don't know how you felt, but I'm watching something, and I'm also, first of all, now I never need to go to Iran. <laughs> like, like, I feel like, okay. You were, you, were, you were planning, you had a... You had, I had a whole trip yeah. planned. <laughs> hey, Nancy, we're early today. We have a very, very special guest, so we're, we're a little early today, because our guest is from Israel, which is amazing. And I, I, I have to tell you, so, so watching this, and I don't know how you felt, but the perspective that I'm getting when I'm, when I'm looking at these things, I'm thinking to myself, first of all, almost all these countries, you have to serve in the military, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a different philosophy and mentality from growing up to adulthood. Immediately, you know you're doing it no matter what, right? You know you might face war. Right. You might right. face combat. I mean, that's not, you know, it's not like even here when you join, it's like, oh, you might not go to combat. No, you're in Israel or you're in the Middle East somewhere. You're going, you know, there's a good mm -hmm. chance you're going to see something. Right. On top of that, <laughs> how scary. Yep. I mean, the idea that an Israeli could get, you know, waylaid by an emergency landing in Tehran. I mean, did you know this? Because I don't watch the news, so I didn't know. Did you know that is Israelis no. aren't allowed to step foot in Tehran? I did in, not know. No, I mean, this is, and this is kind of, this brings it to a lot of the things that I, I agree with you on, on here because, and this is, this just goes for the streaming stuff in general. Like we are getting insights into places. And, and, and one of the things that this is opening up with content is learning so much more about other cultures that, you know, maybe other nations in Europe understand, but as Americans, we've been isolated from, and we, I, I've learned so much yes. and getting to watch these shows is just extra special for me because now I, I have a new understanding of something I wasn't, aware of before well you know what you're absolutely right on top of that you know uh, you were saying i think a few times over the last few weeks that you've really been responding more as of late to international shows yep 100 percent. because and the perspective is different and and, and we hear, we've seen the stories the american stories enough times i i you know it's gotten to the point where it's you know the the american story is now the the superhero story and <laughs> being able to watch and yes. see these pieces and understand new things from other cultures like this has been one of the things that I am most uh, grateful for uh, with this, with, with how streaming and how these, how these places are picking up content. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, and also what I, I love, what I love about Tehran and we'll get, you know, we'll do a deep dive with our, with Daniel in a moment, but what I love is something also that you said, even in the comedy, what you talk about with, with Ted Lasso is this idea that it never goes where you think it's going to go. Mm -hmm. You think in that plane ride, something like it's going to be this, you know, this bomb, or of course it's going to be a bomb and terrorists. And it's like, nope, not at all. But the, the tension from the moment he steps onto that plane and she steps onto that plane. Whoo. All right. So without any further ado, should we do this? Let's do this. So we have a very special guest today, all the way from Israel, the co-creator and director of the hit Apple plus television show that I am the biggest fan of. Ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Sirkin from Toronto. <laughs> What's up, buddy? How you doing? What's up, Cliff and Jason? It's a pleasure being with you. Here from Herzliya in Israel. I feel as if we're in the same room. 
<laughs> Isn't this great? Isn't it great it where is. we're at in life? I mean, it, it's amazing to me. First of all, congratulations on everything, Daniel. Thank Seriously. you so much. Thank you so much. What you guys have done here, I mean, and this is something that is, it, it's very important in so many ways. So so I, I guess I just want to dive in. Is that is that okay with you? Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. Let's dive in. <laughs> well, I have a lot of questions. So, so because you've been doing this for a long time, you've been nominated for a lot of Israeli Oscars, I'll call them. No, it's not offensive, but I mean, these are big things that you keep getting nominated for in Israel. And you're a creator, you're a director. And one of the things that's interesting here is a lot of times we don't see that uh, in American shows. We don't see the director being a co-creator as a writer. You know, we see right. it in movies, but we don't see it as much in television. So right. here you have this partner and you guys come across this show where is the impetus for this show where does this come from i know some are iranian israelis uh some are born in israel can you just tell us how you even get this idea it's so insane well i'll tell you our producer dan eden got this email from a guy uh, his, his name is mal cohen and he wrote a mail to her and she opened the script and the script said tehran she said i like it i want to make that show without even reading anything <laughs> so he wrote the first episode about this airplane and uh, so she took a lot of it, but basically what she took is really the opening. And she brought in Moshe Zonda, who was a great friend of mine. Mm -hmm. They wrote this uh, first episode and uh, sort of a Bible, and then they let me, uh, they brought me in. And another, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Go on. <laughs> and they brought in Elmo Shanar, another great writer. And, you know, and we sat for months and, uh, and we really built this thing. Uh, around the around the Mossad agent, and we, we, you know, the minute I read this story about this young woman going into Tehran, and I just heard the word the word Tehran, it's like this magical place. It's like a thousand and one nights. It's like you don't know any, you don't know anything about it. What is Tehran? What the hell Thank is Tehran? You. Yes, this is the thing, and yeah. I feel like yeah. I was watching I, this. I, I, my, 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 I'm Jason. losing. I need I need to to. That's okay. Uh, we'll wait for you, Daniel. Wait one second, please. Not a problem. Uh, okay, okay. We're are we here. back? Okay. Yeah, yeah, oh, we sorry. are. We are. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, but this no, I'm sitting there, yeah. and so so. How do you do? Okay, so now you have, know you want to film a show that's basically taking place in a place you can't step foot in. Right. 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 Oh my God. Right. Yeah. So so let's talk about that for a second. I mean, even going into it, right? Because one one of the things that I noticed that you guys do so well is you're showing every perspective. This idea. I mean, you 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 approach it from both sides. You know, you, I don't sense this side of like Israeli pro or Iranian pro. I sense humanity. Right. So exactly. So so I thought. What I liked, what I really liked about uh, Tehran is first this word, this magical word, Tehran, and just be able to go there. And then I thought to myself, what do I know about Tehran? And I thought, not much. I don't know much. All, all I know is probably what maybe a lot of people know about Israel, what they see on the news, which is really not what well, not enough. So that was the first thing. The second thing, I love this character, you know, this girl, this amazing young girl who was born in Iran, goes back as a spy to her to you know the place where she was born this reminded me a little bit of myself i was born in moscow and and i grew up in, as an israeli and when i was 30 i came back to russia for the first time i wasn't a spy i went to make a movie there but i felt <laughs> like a spy because i speak the language you know i read it i read it but i was totally an alien i was like a legal alien I was crazy and the third thing what i really love about moshe's work is uh, and you know i think the character of faraz the guy who hunts down Ooh. This is an amazing character, isn't it? Well, first of all, let's take a second on Faraz. So, do you see him on Homeland, right? I mean, you know, you know sure. this guy is this guy is 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 a flawless actor. So, I mean, so do you get him first on the job? Like, who is he the first cast? So, I had uh, I, I have a, a, a Paul Allen Smith, my agent in in, in L.A. He had a, an amazing uh, Persian woman who works for work for him, and I called her and asked her, "Who's the best Iranian actor? Tell me." She told me <laughs> it's definitely Sean Tube. Listen, it's definitely Sean Tube. And I know this guy really well. Here's his phone. Call him. Don't don't call his agent. Just call this guy. So I, she said, you know, otherwise it's gonna be emails and you're an Israeli and who who knows who you are. So you know. So thank you, Nada. So uh, amazing. Uh, and, and I called Sean 
and we went we went on the in the Skype like or you know video chat just like we do now, mm -hmm. and it was like amazing chemistry. He had this big poster of Iron Man behind him, so you know I'm not mistaken. I know that's the guy from Iron Man, you know, and he was super nice, super cool, Sean. And the minute I saw him, of course I knew his work before, but the minute you know we we started speaking, it was just such chemistry, and I thought this will be an amazing for us, and. You know, and the most interesting thing Sean told me is, he told me, I don't want to be like the bad Iranian. Please, I will you do it, it if I'm not the bad Iranian. I want to be, uh, I want to, to, I have to, to have many faces and faces to make character. And listen, even though I can never go back to Iran, I love Iran. And I want people to Iran, in Iran to love this series and to love me. And I thought, you know, that's amazing. And that's what we have to do. Well, it is what you've done, and I think that. And did you know his arc? So, so let me just. What, his arc is very interesting because we meet this guy, and he's with his wife, and they're right. going to Paris for some reason that seems right. somewhat. It's not nefarious, but it's important right. for sure. Right. And as we slowly peel this, we realize he's a high-ranking security member in the Iranian security force. Correct. Right. Right. In the RGC, the Revolutionary Guard Corps. See, did you know you have to learn all this, right? As you're writing this, or or what? Oh yes, oh sure, yes. Uh, well, first thing I did when we when we uh, you know because I have, I'm really fortunate to do things in Israel, and then I get to sit in the writers' room, and I'm a co-creator with the writers, which is for me is the most important thing. I don't know how American directors don't do it. Maybe they do, but secretly, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we we do it, so it's amazing. I love so, it. First, First thing I did, so listen, I do have some, I was in the military for many years in military intelligence, so I know some stuff about Iran. But I, all, I also know it, you know, from the military standpoint, which uh, is not interesting enough. And I thought to myself, first thing I need to do to get ready for the show is learn Farsi. Because, because uh, listen, I, 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 I grew up speaking Russian in Israel, and I know that uh, language is like uh, this window into our culture. So I thought, yes. listen, I have to learn Farsi. So I took Niv with me, and we went to this the best Iranian Farsi teacher in Israel. And for six Niv for six months, I, I had to stop after four months. We studied Farsi twice okay, a wait, week. Stop, because I was just going to ask you this. Okay, how the fuck did Niv learn Farsi? So you took Niv together, and you both went and learned this language for the show. Yeah, Jason, yeah, this is the commitment I'm talking about that we lack here. What yeah. the. F I, 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 I still haven't learned Spanish, and I'm Mexican. <laughs> Do you see uh, this? They're learning full language, and perfectly. How did you get that accent so well? So, so, uh, so you know, of course, in four months, you can't learn it perfectly, but Neve, so after we had the basics of language, just to understand what starts, how, you know, what's, what's it all about, and so she doesn't learn it only phonetically, but she really understands what she's saying. After that, with the same teacher, she went, and she just went, through all of the phrases phonetically and she taught her how to really pronounce it and listen uh, iranian people on the set were amazed that she's not a native iranian speaker she's I'm so amazed good. this yeah. is and i don't know anything i mean i'm watching this thing you have you have farsi you have israeli and you have right. english you have right. three languages being spoken right. in the show when do you right. decide who's speaking what that's my that's another question i want to ask you guys like how are you because it seems very methodical so, uh, we, of course, we wanted it to be as realistic as possible. Uh, uh, but also, we knew that we want a big international audience, so, that we, so it means that we need some English. So we decided that since her cover story is that she comes from Qatar, as she says, mm -hmm. uh, which means that maybe her Persian is not as good, and we know that young people in Iran do speak pretty fairly good English, mm. especially the ones that we portrayed in the series. So we decided that with those guys, she'll be speaking English. And also, we wanted. It was important for us to uh, to see Faraz, the first person you, the real Iranian you, you see, to have really excellent English, to to show that he's a really uh, eloquent, well-spoken person, and, and with beautiful, you know, almost immaculate, uh, immaculate. How do you say? How do you immaculate. say this? Immaculate. immaculate English. <laughs> Go with your instinct, Dan. You're doing great. You got four languages at least. Keep going, man. <laughs> so, yes, immaculate. So, uh, so we wanted, you wanted, you know, we wanted the audience to see that this Iranian is not what you, what you expect, and he has really good English. And and uh, I would say this is basically it. So when the young people speak to Tamal, it's in it's in English, but Farsi is among themselves. Uh, of course, they speak Farsi. Okay, so so there are so many things I want to get into. First of all, let's talk a little about Niv's character. Uh, she is a 
<laughs> She's a tour de force. Was she the only person you looked at? Like, how, did you look at a lot of people? How did that go? So me, well, she starred in the in uh, in the show that Dana and Shula, our producers, uh, produced just before our show, which was a big hit. And but it's like this comedy, romantic comedy. And she was very sweet, very beautiful. Everybody wrote that she's great. And Dana told me, you know, me, she has to do the role. I told her, all right, let's see. Her. She told me, no, no, she has to. She's the best. And she would nag me for like weeks. And then I told, listen, now I'm going to audition seventy other actors before I choose her. I've worked with you. I know you. I see you, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> so I did it awesome. and, I, and I gathered all those you know Israeli girls in the in the 20s all the beautiful girls and and I auditioned all the poor girls and then eventually I told Dana and he was the best you know she was, was right <laughs> yeah she was listen she was and you know she was and I'll tell you something else which, which is really funny so she was really really good she was really the best and and because I wanted to learn Farsi and you know rehearsals were like two months away, I took her with me to the Farsi lessons. And the, my first meeting with her was like in a in a language lesson and not in a rehearsal. So I met this actress twice in uh, auditions. Right. And then the third time I meet her in my life. We we sit together in Farsi lesson, and you know, and she takes out like those. I'm in my daughter's room. She takes out this notebook. <laughs> and she takes she takes out the markers. And, you know, and I see that she's like this, you know, super serious person, you know. And I t told myself, I'm, I'm in good hands. She's going to be great. I mean, she's more more than great. I mean, she's a bit of a shapeshifter, I have to say. You know, there's scenes where I'm like, is that her? Oh, that is her. And the way she looks so much like Zalia, it's it's mind-blowing. So, yeah. okay. So so you have Neve now, and <laughs> you have this cast. So, so, so okay. How do you deal with now? Are you going to Tehran? Like, I'm sure this is the biggest question as you're moving toward of filming. Of course. Yeah, so tell yeah. me what happens. So we, we start looking for places uh, where we can do Tehran. We think about Turkey. We think about Morocco. We think about uh, cities in uh, Central Asia. And we have people and producers from all those places sending us stuff. And we never think about Athens. And then uh, Dana, our producer, again, who's the, really the driving force behind uh, all of this, Dana and Shula, uh, she went on a holiday with her family and she calls me from Athens and she tells me, I found Tehran, it's Athens. <laughs> <laughs> I found Tehran, it's Athens. Yeah. I love so, her already. <laughs> okay, yeah, go on. So, you know, so, so and she sends those photos and I go on Google Earth and I, and I, you know, I check it and I see that it's really very similar. It's like, it's a, it's a, mega, it's a megapolis, you know, there, there's 10 million people living in Athens. Right. It's uh, situated in a valley, just among mountains, just like Tehran. And the, it, the architecture, it's fairly, it's a fairly new city, Athens. It was urbanized like in the 50s, 60s, 70s, just like Tehran. Hmm. So it's really similar. And there's also many parks, which Tehran has. People don't know, but Tehran is a very green city. So even greener than Athens. It is not a Middle Eastern city with camels, as people might uh, think. Tehran mm -hmm. is rather, it's a huge city, closer to a Western city than to like what you might see in, uh, you know, films about Iraq. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and that being said now, so, so, so the shots, though, the, the uh, exterior establishing shots of the mountain, it, that is Tehran, right? Yeah, so if it, some of the shots are Tehran and some of the shots are Athens with the CGI mountain. Wow. Oh, that's what you did. It looks fantastic. Yeah. I, I honestly feel like you, you, so you didn't shoot in Tehran at all except for the stock stuff, right? Yeah, right. We just but got some stock footage from Tehran, which we bought, and, uh, and, and we just took some elements from Tehran, like Burj Milad, which is the big tower, which looks a little bit like the Toronto CN Tower. Or uh, or the big mountain, and we just uh, incorporated them digitally into F into Greece, and it looks perfect. Perfect. Okay, so I want to get a little into the nitty gritty. Um, here's a question for you. So, Niv's character Tamar, she she's there, and when everything goes sideways, right? So so when she doesn't find out, the eagle doesn't tell her that this contact has been raping this woman that she's replacing. Right. right. So she decides she doesn't trust the eagle. Now, is this something in this in this choice? It's a big choice because it turns the show. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay. I have two 
things that I think. Okay, one's right. from me, one's from uh, my son's mom. So, so we, but we both kind of feel like she made a decision in some way to manifest wanting to see her family in Iran. Because I don't know, do you feel the eagle did enough for her to break contact, at, like protocol stated, or do you I think it was a family uh, motivation? I think uh, the eagle was negligent. I think he was. Uh, I think he was. He did a bad job. And I think that if she, if I like, if I, if I put myself in her place, in her boots as an operative, I wouldn't really trust the eagle anymore. Uh, but maybe in the back of her head, in the back of her mind, she had this aunt because she knew where she's going to run. She knew where she's headed. Yes, yeah. she did, and that's exactly where she went. Now, is the resentment from her cousin, well, yeah, it's her cousin, her first cousin, is that? Because right. she doesn't know it's her first cousin, so where is this resentment coming from? Well, I'll tell you about this. Um, <laughs> so, as, as, I as I said, I was fortunate enough to be, you know, in the writing process, and one of the things that uh, I grew up in, my parents were uh, grew up in Russia in the times of Stalin, and I always heard those stories about uh, children uh, denouncing their parents or, uh, or you know, telling uh, or just, uh, how do you say, giving their parents to, to, to the authorities. And yeah, turning them in. Turning them in, yeah. And, um, and I think that some of this uh, came into this character, some of the stories I heard from my parents. Uh, and we know that uh, in, in regimes like uh, the regime that you have in Iran, sometimes things like this can happen, a big divide in the family when somebody is ideological, ideologically said differently than the parents. The parents are sometimes can be intimidated or afraid. I thought it's interesting. It, it's interesting to show that children go against their parents in such a way. And you know, I, uh, listen. I see it. I see it in America too. No, well, of course it's not a dictatorship, but I see. Especially yeah. in this day, in this time, in this day, you see teenagers that totally don't understand their parents, and so it's also a sign of the times, you know. It's um... well, I agree. It's very much like what the Sopranos did, in uh, when when you know Tony Soprano has to take Meadow to a college interview, and you know, right. parents sometimes have to work, but he promised her he wouldn't have to work, but he just has to kill one guy while he's there. That's but, you know, amazing. Yeah, but you That's bring these. You bring these normal things like you're doing in Tehran and they're much bigger. So you have a teenage girl who's rebelling against her parents. In this case, it becomes international. And right. it becomes, you know, this thing where, okay, so let me get one thing straight that I'm not sure I understand. They, they're Jews. She can, the sisters were Jewish, correct? Right, right. right? They're, and they're not, she's Jewish, but she converted to Islam. She converted to Islam. And yeah, that, yeah. therefore her daughter is Islamic. Her husband... Yes. It, Yes, because, yeah. Also in Islam, if your father is, uh, I think, I'm not a big expert on Islam, but if the father is Muslim, then the children are Muslim. So it's not like us, like, like if my mom's Jewish, then we're Jewish. Right, right. Okay, right. so... so in, in Islam is different. Okay, so, so, so this is a common thing where sisters or brothers are turning their back and one goes back to the motherland, one stays? It's not very common, but we did, but it does happen. It did happen. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think also, you know, the whole idea came, I think, from a documentary we saw, or, or, uh, we saw uh, about uh, a woman like that. Uh, just, you know, just hit, uh, hit a note there. But it was uh, before we really developed it. We thought it might be interesting that she has uh, an aunt there, you know, at the beginning of things. Well, it's and, more than uh, interesting. And, and here's the thing now. So how am I as a viewer? Because this is where you leave me now. What happens at the end of six and her turning in her brother-in-law this way and he's knocking on the door and we see, oh, when he answers the door... <laughs> Oh, man. And he's the nicest guy ever, Tamar's father. I mean, these actors. Okay, so so how do I get, how do I reconcile what she's just done? She just turned in her brother-in-law when he's done nothing to her, just, just so she can get back her daughter who turned them all in. Well, I think that the people in uh, in, uh, in such such a, such a moment, you can't, it's really hard to judge her. She is uh, deep in the sellers of the revolutionary guard um, scary everybody breaks I see, yeah everybody breaks at the end. well you say that so so who do you base someone because the the most understated and amazing character to me is goyev the mossad head right well it's his official position yeah uh yeah he's he's the head of the mossad and you know after we wrote much more for goyev and uh, Manasheh Noe, who is a great, great Israeli actor, uh, does an amazing Gorev. 
But I'm really, but we had to cut a lot, a lot of stuff for Gorev. He had a family, he had a wife, he had, you know, he had a lot of other stuff around. And we had to, we had to get rid of it. And, I, and uh, it's, it's a little bit sad, but it's, it's the things that you do when you're writing a big series. And sometimes you just have to get rid of huge chunks of plot just because you see it's, uh, it's not leading where the show should go. So, uh, and you know, and Menashe did this role and uh, he's uh, Gorev, uh, he wants, I think he wants to be there in Iran, but he can't. <laughs> yeah, but is this normal that the head of the Mossad is so tactile, so hands-on? So from what, uh, from the research we did, it seems it is. It seems that it is. Uh, Israel is, is a small country even after, after all, even though we're not as small as we used to be. And Mossad is still a pretty small organization. And I think it's very intimate with its operatives. And from what we understand, this can really, really be truthful. We try to be, listen, we try to be as truthful as we can from what we it. know. It, well, it feels it. That's why I'm asking, because I'm really kind of blown away at the, the intricacies that, that you guys are, are kind of the tradecraft, too, because it's, um, you know, this is not this is not easy stuff. So, so let me ask you this. Is Niv's character, Nev's character, is she, she's a hacker, right? So is she a field agent? That's a really good question. Uh, <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> so we, wh what we thought to ourselves is, no, she's not really a field agent. She's sent to, she's sent to do this one hacking thing. And it's supposed to be very easy. It's supposed to be in the electric company. Who would ever suspect, you know, that the electric company is somehow connected to the nuclear reactors? Come on. Yeah, but that's then, genius, but, by the way. That is a great side door. Love that. Go on. So, 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 thank you. So then, when, uh, when, yeah, when, when the when the shit hits the fence, she needs to do whatever she did learn in this course. So we know that in those courses they have like basic training, but then I, but then you know, each somebody become an agent, the field agents, another one becomes a hacker or whatever. So I think she did the basic training, hence she knows how to fight, she knows Krav Maga, whatever, mm -hmm. but she is not really, like, uh, her designation is not to be a field agent, and I think she becomes one. Right, because she she's not Jason one. Bourne, and I love that you made no. that choice. When she fights, she's a little awkward, you know, yeah. a few times it feels like she gets lucky, she's got training, but yeah. is this why I'm feeling like Goyev was, you know, after she screwed it up, or it screwed up the first time, why he's so hesitant right. to give her the second chance, and etc.? Yeah, I think he knows that she's not a real uh, operative, a real uh, person that really was trained in uh, Caesarea, one of those units of Mossad who were they really, you know, uh, chop people up. So, and he's he's not um, he, he he's not sure she's cut she's cut for it. Yeah. Caesarea is that what you called it? Yeah, that's uh, from uh, open sources, as they say. <laughs> I love that. That's great. This is why I love these things. I get to learn all this, and and so so this makes a lot of sense now. Now now, is she falling in love with with? Uh, I'm sorry. What's the actor's name who uh, plays the uh, Iran dissident? Shelvin Alenabi is amazing, amazing young amazing. man. He's living in Britain, and I really I tortured this guy because you know we did all the auditions. We did them uh, on like on video. Uh -huh. And because it was an international cast of people living all over the world. Uh, and the only one I really wanted to see after he auditioned, the audition, and there was amazing chemistry between him and Niv, I wanted to see this guy. So we flew him in from London to Athens, and his flight was delayed. So we came for one hour. We sat in the kitchenette in the production company. I just, you know, I just had to look the guy just to feel him. You know, it was the time when you could still touch people. Today I right. can't touch people. <laughs> <laughs> no masks on, I think. Right. So he was the sweetest guy, and then I told him, "Okay, go back, go back to go back to London." And he went back to London, and he was great. But, but wait, did I'll you tell him he got the part, or did you make him go all the way back to London and then tell well, him? Uh, no, we didn't tell him he got the part. But we didn't tell we him. Thought it was gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. No, you, we did everything but tell him he got the part. You know how it is. Until agents are involved, they can't say anything. But I'll tell you something. Yeah, I got. He did. He flew in. Mm -hmm. And it. And I realized that it, for him it was also super important to meet us because. He wanted to make this statement that for him, it's really important to do this role without any fear and without any, because, you know, we're Israeli and he's from an Iranian origin and whatever. It's a big deal. It's not yeah. a small deal. This is a big it deal is. show. It what is. you're talking it about and dealing with. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. a behemoth, really. Yeah, 
And for me, when I once I felt that this actor is just like Sean Tung, that this actor is so committed that for him it's real, that for him maybe members of his family will uh, denounce him or maybe even get in some trouble living in Iran. Yeah. I thought I have to do the best work I can, you know. To, I have to, we, make, we have to make this show the best show, serious, and to talk to people and to, to be entertaining and to be fun show, but also to, to tell a bigger story, a wider story. And, uh, you know, I hope that's what we're achieving. Oh, no, you've, you've achieved it. But also, I mean, you obviously went into this, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, with this idea, I don't hate any Iranians in this show. I, I love kind of everybody. I understand right. where everybody's coming from. I mean, right. so so I, I guess maybe it's the Russian Russian born and the other writers having some sense of humanity with, with everybody, because I don't feel oh. the divide. Yeah, you know, our, our writers, both Moshe and Omri and uh, also Maor, are really, really, uh, really, really sensitive and uh, humane people. Uh, Moshe has, is a man with a huge heart, mm -hmm. and I think it's felt in the, in the series, in his writing. Um, very much and, uh, yeah yeah it's so important you know I've done so many I've done so many movies and uh, TV series but when you have heart that's the most important thing I mean well when you see this right because you look at all these Israeli shows that we take you know and, and appropriate and we you know they automatically become hits you have the yeah. opportunity here with Tehran you've known this from the beginning that it was going to be Apple correct or did you not uh, we knew a little bit f f further down the way, but uh, but you know we, we, it was great that Apple uh, came in with us, and you know they're just amazing partners. And, and listen, this platform of the Apple TV Plus, we I know that you know listen, I have people writing to me from Russia, from Norway, from all over the world watching this show. It's it's unbelievable. Well, you haven't had this experience, right? Because everything else has been much more Israeli contained, correct? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. I did the series called Mossad 101 for it's it's on it's on Netflix, but it's a very different show. It's kind of a comedy, and it was a, it wasn't as big as Tehran. Well, t well, again, with Tehran, you're also dealing with stuff. I mean, you have to be cognizant, right, that people could get in trouble for the stuff you're showing, right, in the, in Iran. We made sure, uh, we wanted to make sure that everybody that's on board knows that uh, I'm Israeli, that the production company is Israeli, even though the production itself is international. But, and, uh, and you know, it was amazing. Not everybody said, well, it's, it's okay. We, we don't care about politics. We just want to make, and we, we read it, we love it, and we think it's a good story. And also, we think that you show Iran in a really interesting light, and nobody knows anything about Iran. And we feel you're respectful to Iran, to the Iranian people, to our customs. And uh, for, for us, that was amazing. And, you know, and that's the reactions I get. I have, I have bloggers writing to me. I have people writing to me on my Instagram or on my Facebook or just finding my mail from Iran and telling, you know, writing, we love this show. Thank you for showing Iran this way. From and Iran? We, yeah, people from Iran. Yeah, the, these are the best, most moving emails I ever I get. And I always read all of them. You know, it's amazing. Well, that, so, so I was going to ask you, so have you been getting a uh, response from Iran? Has there been any response from the government? So just, uh, just uh, yesterday, we found that a member of parliament uh, wrote on uh, his uh, Facebook or an equivalent, like his social media, he wrote that he watched it and he's, uh, he thought it was interesting and he, he plans to watch some more. But then he added, and I think that the, our uh, intelligence should also watch it, but I'm sure they already have. <laughs> That's like the best review you could possibly get. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> That's amazing. What's up? You're not red lighting me, are you, Jason? Uh, Daniel, will you? Okay, how many more episodes do we have? Two more, two more. And do we have a second season? We really hope that we no, will. we do. Uh, we hope, we hope, we hope. We do, we do. Yeah. Okay. Next, year <laughs> Next year in Tehran. Next year in Tehran. Inshallah. You. <laughs> Inshallah. <laughs> I mean, I cannot thank you enough, Daniel, for being here. This show is absolutely phenomenal. I cannot wait for this rest of the season, and I can't wait till you get your announcement. By the way, will you please come back and talk to us more about it when it gets even more successful? I would love to, Cliff. Thank you. It's, it's just a pleasure talking to you. Amazing. Same here, Daniel. Thank Perfect you so me. much. Thank you so much for your artistry, you. for your work, and Perfect everything. And thank your whole team. Thank, thank you so much, Daniel. Daniel Sergen. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, that was great. That was amazing. He's a uh, like 
so much information there. It's such a cool story and 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 such a like interesting thing. Like that's part of the the part that's really interesting to me. There's there's almost a um, you know, with with this kind of uh, program, there's so you know, and being in the middle of all these different pieces, there's such a uh, I don't know. It, it feels not dangerous is the wrong word. I don't want to say that. No, no, but no. Like, I don't think you're wrong. I've been feeling the same thing. There is a you like my you like my beard brush. Uh, yeah, I do. I'm telling you, Tehran got me into the whole grooming my beard thing. There, there is a there is a danger to the show, and not just in the show, in the right. making of the show. I agree right. with you, Jason. Yeah, and it's and amazing. It, it's just a, it's just amazing, um, and to see somebody be able to really put all that stuff together in this way is just uh, like I said, I, it's 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 eye opening for me, and and I know this is just uh, a portion of this kind of isolation, you know, American isolation piece. I could have seen some of this stuff if I had really gone out and looked, but. I'm really grateful to uh, Apple and to Daniel for making this something that's easily available and can give me this insight that I don't get to see. Yeah, and Donna uh, and Shula, place. these producers who really, I mean, you know, finding Athens, I mean, this whole thing. So if you have not watched Tehran, go go watch this. you got two more episodes left. This show is a revelation in a lot of ways. And uh, I, I think it's the face of what the future of television is going to look like, these l very large scope, broad-based international shows. Yep, I agree. You know what I got in the mail? What? What'd you get? You know what I got on 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 Saturday? No, I'm I'm not sure. What'd you get? I, I got a letter. No, from I got a no. package. I got a, a package. New, I got a new package from me on these. Oh, did you? I did. Yeah, I got a big one, and I got these baby blue royal like baby blue Dodger blue socks. Oh, that say me on them on the on the. On the top right, the and and so you being Cliff Dorfman, you're like they were they they're actually embroidered for you. Like they're you me. think they're, they're me, 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 they're me socks. <laughs> they really are, by the way. So comfy. Got new underwear. Got like I'm telling you, this this whole thing that they keep and they keep sending it. It's like I don't even have to think about it. And now my underwear pile also just keeps. I don't have to really give yeah. it much thought. No, you you can get to that <laughs> point in your life where you're like, just I only wear my underwear once a day. By the way. Or once a day. Of course, you only wear them once a day. Can see my MeUndies. My MeUndies sweats right now. I stood up for that, guys. That, that is really, and the micromodal. So, what's my favorite thing, Jason? Pulp. <laughs> yarn. Wait, wait. Pulp <laughs> to yarn. If you can't see what I'm doing with my hands, tune in. <laughs> but it is, they have these sustainable beechwood trees. They move the pulp to the yarn, they don't hurt the tree. And they create this micromodal, which is a proprietary uh, fabric. This thing is so comfy on my balls and so comfy on my privates. And by the way, on my skin, on everything, if you have skin sensitivity, you don't have it with this stuff. Nope. What, are you, what are you thinking? What are you thinking there? Oh, nothing. I was just thinking um, <laughs> that uh, I was just really excited yesterday. My wife did a big uh, laundry thing. And so Ooh. one of that's washing all that stuff. And then I, um, I got my MeUndies back and uh, they're even softer now. They were soft. <laughs> And now they're double soft. Yo, you bring a good point up because I was worried about that when I started with the MeUndies. Like, oh, once I wash these things, they're going to lose that whole, you know, uh, the whole comfy, uh, velvety, you know, kind of feel. They got better after the washing. It doesn't mess with the micromodal. Oh, wait, she's a work in her underwear too? No, I don't think so, Nancy. <laughs> Everybody's I don't think they're at work. Everybody's with the kids. doing it. Everybody's She's a doing teacher. that. Me undies. That's oh, right. Oh wait, she doesn't go to school. That's right. They're not back at school. Back at work means you're at home yep. teaching kids in class on Zoom. Yeah, that's right. But um, so yeah, me on these micromodal sustainable beechwood trees. They don't hurt these trees, man. Yeah. So they're not only making your your private and your nether regions feel great, and your legs and your whole torso. They're on top of it. They're being sustainable. They're helping the environment. Yeah. They they are. The most comfortable things. MeUndies.com, offer code stuck. Get yours. Be soft like us. Get chill. Yeah, I mean, where are you going? You're not leaving your house. You're stuck at home, and you should be stuck at home in MeUndies. How's that, Jason? Look, that is perfect. And Lori's asking MeUndies, what cycle and what type of fabric? You don't need it. Just wash them. <laughs> wash them on wash. <laughs> I'm a man who does not understand all those cycles. I have one thing. It's called wash, and then I have dry, and they're soft. I'm okay, sure Lori, they would I'll, even be fat, softer fabric softer. Cold, soft. cold. Cold, cold is good. Just go cold, cold, one rinse. You're good. By the way, that's what I use. You don't cold, need cold. fabric softener. You don't need anything. Get one of those little pod things, dump it in there. You're set. Okay. Me undies. Right. It's stuck at home. Wear your me undies. The coat is stuck.
let's jump into some news and all these fun things. Let's do it. So um, the first thing I wanted to get into a little bit, and you can help me with this because, again, this is a little more industry than I'm aware of. But mm-hmm. uh, so Peter Roth is stepping down as the TV chairman for Warner Brothers. Yeah, who's um, he there? Twenty something years. This guy huge amount of time, yeah, right? Form this. Uh, there is no Warner TV without Peter Roth. This guy is a is a, a genius. He steps down. Where where is what is he doing? Where is he going? And why? What does this mean for Warner? What does it mean for television? I mean, sure, he's not he's so rich. What's the difference? But the guy doesn't have anything to prove anymore. It's not like he's going to go to a better position. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm sure there's a higher position somewhere. But the guy ran television. Yeah, well, it seems like, and and maybe I'm misreading the the articles that I've been looking at, and you can tell me, it seems like he wanted out last year and that he agreed to a one-year extension. And maybe it's the other way. Maybe he was trying to stay for an extra year, but it doesn't seem like anybody worth at that level is going to sign a one-year extension unless they're the ones on the, the side of this. Yeah, no, no, no. They, they were. They, he's leaving because he wants to leave. This is this is a guy that you know. It's like the Midas touch. There's there's nothing that uh, you know this guy can't get right. So where he's going to land, I think, is a big thing. I, I, you know, Do you think he wants to land anywhere at this time? At this point, you just um, took it out of my mouth. I was saying, who even has enough money to hire him? I mean, you know, via, like you'd have to have uh, you know hundreds of millions of dollars to hire this guy, right? Even well, if I he mean, wanted to work, well, and. I mean, this is a, and this is a qu- bigger question, and this kind of goes back to all the streaming stuff. Like, the the industry has changed, right? The industry is vastly changing, yes. and he's part of the little bit part of the older guard, and and knows how to do this stuff in the more traditional sense. And I'm not saying that that's bad and it can't be translated over, but mm-hmm. at this point, it seems like maybe it's a perfect time to get out with your legacy fully intact. I agree with you completely. I think that what you're saying is is most probably correct, though. I think there's two things. I think the one thing is to look at, is it a foreshadowing of what's to come? You know, because this guy, yes, it's a great time to get out with the legacy intact. So I agree. Also, though, is this a person, you know, can you look at someone like Peter Roth and say, this is a guy who the reason there is a legacy, the reason there is TV the way we know it today is because of someone like Peter Roth. So does he see the writing on the wall? But Maybe not just to keep his legacy intact, but maybe he says, studios are not where it's going to be at in five years. I'm going to make the path to where this is going to be with streaming in the next five years. Like, I could see him becoming whatever that version of a studio is. Yeah, that's true. And I believe, now, did he do, um, well, I, I guess this is. it was just kind of an aside from it because there are a lot of talks, like a lot of, the stuff that he's been doing. A lot of his people have been poached by Netflix. It could be a thing where eventually he kind of comes over and joins the Netflix crew is uh, I think potentially where, where he could land. I mean, he could, but I, you know, was he going to do takeover for Scott Stuber? You know, or he'd have to be Stuber's boss. It yeah. feels like, you know, it's, it's because Stuber to me, who's huge, you know, it's not like, okay, so he took over Netflix, but Netflix was already doing what they were doing. It's not like Scott Stuber invented, reinvented the right. wheel. You know, right. so so I don't look at that guy. And by the way, I should only, you know, right. <laughs> yeah, be that guy. It's not a hating thing. I'm just saying I don't look at him as an innovator the way I do as someone, you know, like Peter Roth. So I'm not I'm not really sure. I think this is uh I think it's something we have to watch and Absolutely. see because a guy like this deciding he wants to leave, staying another year, and then making a very public exit. Uh I, I just wonder if it's listen. I think you're definitely right. It's a protection of legacy, but I also wonder if it's like he sees something that maybe we're seeing too, that these studios, these major agencies, these behemoths, they're, they're all toppling. Uh, um, and what then, else we got? I well, know we were I'm, talking about something else. Oh, with, no, uh, I, I think that there's a couple things I wanted to ask you about. I'm going yeah. I'm I'm to I avoid getting completely into politics on this next one, but um, okay, good. I do want to address this because I think it's interesting mm. to me. Both, um, both Kim Kardashian, who you know, it's Kim Kardashian, um, but at the same time, My she's neighbor. an entertainer, and um, and Ice Cube have both been called to the carpet lately for working on projects that are near and dear to their hearts, whether it's prison reform or overall police reform. But working with the current administration what on is those called things. to the carpet mean called to the carpet yeah. means like being being forced to address, like coming up, like called to the carpet means. Uh, like being forced to address a situation, like being like being oh, kind so of put they, in front of the king, right? Okay, got you. Being called to the carpet. They're basically having to address a situation. So basically, both Kim Kardashian and Ice Cube have been working on projects, right? Uh, around prison reform, around, uh, you know, 
you know, black issues or, 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 or prison issues. Important and, stuff. and basically, issues. yeah, reform issues. Right. And so they're working with the current administration on that. Right. That's Donald Trump. And they're basically getting judged pretty negatively online and socially for that. And this, the reason I want to bring this up is um, because I actually don't want to make this a political thing, but I'm just curious about your opinion on this. Like why like if you're an artist or if you're somebody with a cause and especially in entertainment, just because you don't necessarily agree with those people's politics, shouldn't you still be willing to work no matter what as an entertainer, as a person with a voice to get your agenda done? Like otherwise you can only do stuff every four years, every eight years, right? Is that just me or am I crazy? Like, do I just refuse to do work for people I don't like? Because then rhetorical? I don't ever get to work again. No, it isn't. It isn't. But I'm just curious, like your point of view on this kind of stuff. What, like, and and really from the point of view of of a writer and a person in the industry, does this poison you as a as an actor as an entertainer uh, longer term? Because that's the thing I'm most curious about. I have an opinion, but does this mean that like Ice Cube's going to struggle in the industry because he's willing to work on both sides of the aisle? How does that affect people within the business? Well, I mean, I think when you have people as big as Ice Cube or Kim Kardashian, I, I don't know how it affects them. You know, I think it affects the uh, people more like the Scott Bayos, um, you know, who uh, maybe want to get another TV show, let's say, you know, uh, where, where you have a lot of people in town are like, oh, if you support one administration, that's not, we're not going to work with you. I think that exists, which is uh, horrible. You know, I mean, listen, don't agree with anything that one party does. You know me, I'm not this guy. Right. I mean, it's, it's artistry, right? So if there's an important issue, it should transcend politics, right? Politics were made uh, in a bipartisan idea to, to reach across the aisle, you know, from what I know, and to help each other, you know, meaning to help humanity. So if Kim Kardashian or Ice Cube is trying to help humanity. Now, for me, you know, I'm a fan of Ice Cube, but he's also an anti-Semite, you know? Right. So it's, it's, it's very hard for me. You know, I respect him as an artist, incredibly. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think he's absolutely one of the most talented people to walk the earth. Mm -hmm. um, as a human being, uh, you know, it's very hard for me to stomach him. So is it going to be someone that I would hire? No, I wouldn't. But is Ice Cube going to get hired by me? No. But in that situation, you know, um, yeah, I do think it hurts. Yep. I, I do think it hurts. I think people do take these things seriously. You know, um, here's the great thing. The great thing is that they're able to do what they want to do, mm -hmm. right, in this country. The shitty thing is that if they're trying to help people, no matter what, and they have to use a source. Now, I, I guess that's different, right? Because the way, I don't know anything about this. So the way yeah, you're yeah. posing no. it, no, 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 but let me say this. The way you're posing it, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. What I'm saying is that it seems that they have these issues that they were working on and they're important issues and to get stuff done, they had to go to the current administration. Right. Or are they just supporting the current administration? Because I think those are two different things. Yep. And I, 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 I think that, you know, and, and that's, and that's one of those things. I can't tell you how either person's going to vote. I can, I'm only to guess cube is probably not going to vote for, um, for uh, the current administration, but I'm not sure about Kim. But they didn't you know. come out in support. No, not at all. They, they came out in support them. of their issues. No, then you know? it shouldn't affect them at all. And but I think that's that's bullshit if you're asking me. Yeah. Yeah, I but do. that's the thing. And that, and that, that's where I'm curious about it with this stuff because I think that there is there is still this piece of what we do and how we do it that, that involves doing the work and getting stuff out there. And it's just, it's just, a, it's just tough for me right now because I, like, I think that the... I, I think that they should be able to. I don't necessarily agree with everything, but uh, uh, but how do you get something done in a time when you you know right. when they that's the only have option? To wait. They shouldn't yeah. have to wait for a turn in administration to try and get something done to help humanity. Yeah. Uh, a thousand percent. I also think there's the other side, right? Yeah. The other side is looking at what some oh, someone like Daniel and Mosh yep. and everybody did uh, with Tehran. Tehran is a show that is everything art is supposed to be, mm -hmm. right? It's everything we talk about. They took every issue. That you, you know, that we don't, that I don't talk about, that I don't watch, that I don't know, and I don't want to know, and they put it into art, and now I know, and now right. it's important, and now people are talking about it. People are talking about, why is there a travel ban? Why are Israelis arrested the second they step foot in Tehran? Is it the same way if uh, Iranians step foot in Israel? I mean, and now the conversation's open. So, you know, with, with like, like uh, David uh, Arquette and Christina, they have a, a prison, prisoner's guide, or, uh, survivor's guide to prison. 
it's called. And again, prison reform, but how do they do it? They go, and, and we look that up, Jason, if you don't mind while I'm saying this. Uh, it, I think it's Survivor's Guide to Prison, but it's David and Christina. Uh, and and why, why I'm saying it is that it's a reform issue, right? They're, they're trying to help humanity, but they made something in art that opened the conversation. So they didn't have to necessarily go to one side or the other side. So the other option is maybe, you know, Ice Cube or, or Kim Kardashian, you know, who have these unlimited resources, instead of going to the current administration, you know, do it yourself. Yep. You know, you're just as big as the president. Right. Right. But, but isn't that true? Well, I think that there's a, that to a Who's certain more extent. famous, Kim Kardashian or Donald Trump? Donald Trump. Really? Um, by a lot. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, by by leaps and bounds. I think. Okay, go to a soccer field in like uh, the the poorest section of Brazil and say Kim Kardashian, and then say Donald Trump, and see who they know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that. Well, and and what I what I think about it too is like you know whether fame or not, things don't change unless you can get legislation. So you either become a lobbyist or you become you know you're a lobbyist regardless. You know, and and that that's the thing. But I agree with you. I think that uh, lobby through art. Yep, lobby through art. Well, Open the well, conversation a, through but, art. Yeah, yeah. What were you going to say? Nothing. Okay. I think that it's. I think that it's. Uh, I think that that's absolutely true, and I think that that's definitely possible. By the way, it is Survivor's Guide to Prison is the right thing. I got it right. Yep. Yeah. 100%. So, by the way, great documentary. If you're looking for something to watch, Survivor's Guide to Prison, it, it's fantastic. And, and on top of it, again, it's a way to tackle issues and open a conversation. And then these are the kinds of things that you can walk into Senate or Congress with and say, look at these things. Now, yeah. let's maybe try to do something. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, th that's my four. four no, I like it. No, it. I really appreciate it. And I think that that's, that's just what I wanted to understand. I, I never know how this stuff works and it, it, it does seem like something, unfortunately, that becomes divisive to get what you need done. I think that if I was, if I had a cause that I really, you know, like, you know, that I really believed in and I needed somebody to sign it through, I would still want that signed regardless of that person. But I also understand the, the repercussions of those actions. Um, but speaking of and, yes. and getting into that next step, I wanted to get yes. into uh, to uh, some content. If you got time, did you get to watch the finale? I watched the finale of Love Cap Country last night. Yes, I watched it too. So let's get into it. I just did want to say one thing. Did you hear about this? Uh, that they're talking about like uh, uh, reducing Amber Heard's role in Aquaman too. Yeah, I did. Okay, so, but this is what we're talking about with art and politics and personal. They're saying because of her bad press with and Johnny Depp, they're talking about uh, uh, limiting his role in Fantastic Beasts and J.K. Rowling. I don't even know why they're making that because she got canceled, right? Yep. <laughs> right. So, so they're talking about limiting both their roles in these things because of their personal, you know, lives. Again, I think like that's that's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, I yeah. This is one of those ones where I don't know a lot about any of this stuff, and it depends. You know, depending on what you read. Um, you know, a lot of this is kind of in a weird situation where it seems like Amber Heard is actually getting the bulk of this kind of hate. There's not as much conversation about Depp losing his roles so much as hers. Well, um, she's a woman. Right. I mean, really, and, that's, that's, that's what it comes down to. I'm not saying she, I don't know anything about the case, right? Yep. I don't know who's right, who's wrong, who hit who. I have no idea, but they're artists. So it's not surprising that the big white male star is not getting the same retribution as the uh, female star. Mm -hmm. And by the way, if you give me a choice, I want to see all of Amber Heard and very little of Johnny Depp. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, I'm not saying she's a wonderful person. I, I don't care how they are as people. Right. I don't like the crossover. That's all I'm saying. And, and it's what you were talking about with the other thing. It's why I brought it up. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know much about this one, unfortunately. And the truth is, she was the worst part of Aquaman, and he's been less interesting to me every day since. Yeah, but uh, she's Amber Heard. I mean, yeah, but it, that doesn't. I mean, did you see these pictures where there's like a bunch of fan art to like replace her with Amelia Clark? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, she's easily replaceable. No one, no one says she's not. Um, but it's more about what. Why I brought it up is what you were talking yeah. about even with kim it's like let these people now they're trying to help but it's still their personal political beliefs so let right. their personal political beliefs either they can help or they can't but let them stay away from oh now i'm not going to hire you or work with you as an artist and right. it's the same thing with amber and with johnny even i agree disagree etc okay lovecraft series finale season finale thank god it's not the series finale yeah well i think i mean Let's let's get into it, but I think yeah. that's the season finale. I think that's the series finale. You think it's over? Yeah, I think it's over. You don't think they're being renewed? Is this no, the I word? 
No, I just think that like what I, I mean. Here's Why the truth. Why wouldn't HBO Max renew that? Here's the truth. Why would you re want to renew that? That that show's over. That show ended in a perfect spot. Okay, so spoiler alerts for anyone who has not watched the season finale of uh, uh, Lovecraft Country. Just tune out right now because we're going to ruin some stuff for you in the next few minutes, which is about all we have. Um, ready? And yep. tune out. Three, two, one. Tick is fucking dead. Tick's dead. I mean, that was the best thing I ever saw. Because every time they have a foreshadowing in a show, oh, the lead's going to die, the lead's going to die, uh, the lead especially died. When you, especially when you have it in time travel, right? Like, time travel always gives you an excuse to get it out of it. And that's why I'm saying, yes. I don't think, like, Tick is a very strong portion, and I'm not saying it's his story. You've said this uh, from the beginning. But I don't know that I want this to continue. Well, um, I think it was Dave a perfect Schilling, ending. Dave Schilling said also that it's Letitia's show. You right. and Dave both said that, and, you know, the show does go on. There is a version of this show with Letitia. You know what I want to look up? I want to look up how many of the storylines they pulled on the sci-fi stuff from Lovecraft, from H.P. Uh -huh. Lovecraft, you know, and, uh, and, and how much, you know, Misha Green and the team came up with. Uh -huh. I don't have an answer for it, but it is something I want to look at. Um, what did you think overall of the finale? Um, there are a few parts that I had to read on to just understand why they happened. So because they, the, the way they did it and because they cut a lot of, of the stuff. So how she survived the fall um, and why she had the marker came back on her. Fantastic. Okay. What did you read? Because I, I want an explanation on that. So the reason that it happened was because uh, the, the, the witch girl, Christina the, Braithwaite, Christina uh, basically re re added it to her before, right before she kicked her off the, so that's why she said, "I, uh, your sister made me promise not to hurt you. Yep. So, so she put it back fine. on her. Everybody's she, fine. She put it back on her and did that. I don't, and so that was one of the things that I wasn't quite sure of how that happened and why that happened, but I think that it, there was a certain amount of care. So Christina did care about, um, care about, uh, his, his her girlfriend for well, she also her word was her, her word. word like when she gave her word even when she offered the deal give me the book of adam and you have my word i'll leave your family they could have walked away right well she kind of didn't take keep her word because her word was if she gave her the spell she'd leave on the 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 immunity and took it off when she was mad um like that was kind of breaking <laughs> her word right there okay yeah you know what fair point by the way fair point well she's a piece of shit i mean listen the the idea of what they sacrificed i mean taking magic away from all white people i thought that was brilliant that was brilliant i mean that's the big i mean because you didn't really know what they were working for mm -hmm. right i mean the one spell to you know rule them all kind of the thing. binding spell yeah no i yeah. thought it, I, I mean i thought it was a brilliant ending to the show and to bring everybody back together, to have everybody working, to bring the generations of black mothers back into yes. the to the system. But was what all happened with her arm, with the girl's arm? Okay, that was the one storyline that I, you know, I didn't love. But I mean, how did her arm become the Terminator arm at the end? You know, wh wh what? So there's three pieces to this. One, okay, you read it, didn't you? Tell me. No, this I know. So one. <laughs> She was when they got rid of all the poison, all the you know whatever she the the the, the creature that had been infecting her. Mm -hmm. They managed to clear her except for her arm. Right. So it was poisoned. Right. So yeah, she that had, I knew. Right. Second, her mom is from the future now. Like has magic, or not magic, but can travel in time and actually has future access to future tech. Hippolyta. Yep, Hippolyta. So that that all all that 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 technology comes in from to play from there and from her mom being like the you know the comic book superhero that she is so they managed to do that work through that but and three fix it well well here's the last part and this ties back into the show uh tick told us two episodes ago she got he got the book from a from a un, an unknown source with a robot arm oh. okay so so but here's where the logic falls for me because if, if Hippolyte is able to go and do that because it's the same night that we see her with that arm we haven't seen her with we that don't arm. know that that's the same night so she might have gotten that arm earlier before they left that night yes she comes does anybody the care about this kid they leave her in the car they all walked away she's alone with the protective beast with like that golem I mean what the hell <laughs> yeah it's definitely an interesting piece like um, at that part, I think that was a little weird that she le was left there and maybe it was cause she had all those pieces, but it's, it's the, 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 the timing and the, the, that's the whole part. That's a little bit weird about the last episode is all the timings are a little bit off. Like, I don't know where any of the timings exist. Like I can't, I can't, I couldn't really see it. And that was my one problem with that ending is like, I don't know, like they basically did one of those things where 
everybody had a plan and they didn't mm -hmm. tell you about it, but yes. they made it clear that it existed somewhere and then everything happened. Yeah. And a little, uh, little bit of a cop out. Yeah. A little bit of that, yep. that, that, that the swerve that only comes from lack of information, like the lie of omission, the, the, the twist by omission. Yeah. I, listen, I, I agree with you on that. And, and for those reasons, it is something that I do hope just ends the series, mm -hmm. you know, and, and as we say in Yiddish, we're done with it. And it was a great 10 episodes or, you know, for me, it was a great nine, you know, uh, and uh, that's it because really, you know, also here's the big hole. And I know we're going to wrap it up after this, but the big hole is this to me. If you can go back and get, if Hippolyta can go back and get the robot arm from something that Tick did, you know, episodes ago and getting the book, then they can bring Tick back. Right. Right, which I don't want because it, it loses the uh, impact of what he's done. And I think that it's, you know, you know, obviously there's some, you know, Christ comparisons. Anybody, anytime you put somebody up on a, on a rack and stretch their arms out, you're going to get, you know. Yo, but let's talk of, for one second, the slicing of the wrists. Oh my goodness. I had never seen anything like that. That was, that was, that was nauseating. Yep. Yeah, oh, it was gross. I mean, so overall, good piece of television. Uh, I, I agree with you. I, I would like to see it over. There hasn't been an announcement, right? Mm -mm. Not that we nope. know of. No, nope. okay. I think it's a good like the Watchmen. I mean, I would have liked to see the Watchmen continue to, but I understand why telling this in one big story makes sense. Like, you know, and I, yeah. I, I, I would applaud the the strength of a of a of an HBO because that's the thing. Like when you got a hit on your hands, like wanting to continue it, but I think that the strength and the power of this is best impacted by keeping that story synced in where it is. Amen. Well, okay. So we have another great, it's, it's our craft week. So our episode tomorrow, we have the DP and the costume designer from Good Lord Bird. So if you have not seen this series, by the way, it's incredible. So until our next episode, everybody stay safe, stay sane, stay strong. Jason Smith. I love you, everybody. Cliff Dorfman. Talk to you later. Yeah. It's time to quarantine.